you know, often we say that history is his story, right? God's story. But do we have a part in it? Do we have a part in God's story? And this morning, I'd like to share with us, prayer makes history. It looks like prayer is uh, human activities, but what has it got to do with God's story? I'd like to share with us this morning a, a, uh, an account, uh, what we call the, uh, the miracle of Dunkirk in 1940. Some of us may have heard of this, but others may be hearing it for the first time. In 1940, it was the beginning of the Second World War, and uh, the British uh, Army uh, troops, together with the Allied uh, troops, were trying to defend. They, they, they were the last defense of the UK, right? The British last defense, not only just the British, but the whole British, uh, the whole Allied troops that, com- that, uh, that comprise of uh, the British troops, the, the French and the Belgium. Were, were defending the powerful German forces or the powerful Hitler forces before they reached the British Isles at, at Dunkirk, around the area. You can look at the map. It's around the area where you see the Union Jack. There was the, the position of the troops at the time. Now, Hitler army was about to annihilate the entire British defense near Dunkirk. And one of the high command of the British uh, military said that we have the best military brains and best military resources all concentrated in that, in that area, right to the left, uh, to the, to the, to the uh, uh, west of Dunkirk. And it was, it was at the point of being completely demolished. Then King George VI, the father of the late Queen Elizabeth II, together with the British cabinet, uh, at the time, of course, we know that Winston Churchill was a Prime Minister called for National Day of Prayer on the 26th of May, 1940. It was on a Sunday. On that day, when, uh, when, the, when the news got out, you know, in those days, they don't have internet. I don't know how they got the news so fast. They got the picture. I think, I think it's true. Radio, huh? Those of us who are uh, in a generation, you don't know, quite know what it is. Radio. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I can show you after that uh, a radio from, uh, from my handphone. <laughs> okay. So, it was, it was a day of prayer. It was recorded by historians that on that day, Westminster Abbey, which some of us had watched um, Queen Elizabeth's uh, funeral, was packed with people. Every church in the entire British Isles was packed with people. People were queuing up because, you know, like places at Westminster Abbey, was, uh, Westminster Abbey was quite small. People were queuing up to go into the church to pray. Somehow, they have the sense of urgency that Britain is going to fall. There was a desperation that they came together and to pray on that Sunday. On the 27th of May, 1940, after the Sunday, Hitler, for reasons still unknown today to historians, made a completely unthinkable decision. That is, he overruled his general's advice. His generals, his tanks was closing in and the little bit of plot of space that you have uh, seen on the map, they were, he ordered to hold the advances of his army only when they were about 10 miles from the British troops. And that is the miracle number one. Miracle number two, on the 28th of May, 1940, a fury storm broke out at Flanders in Belgium. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's Flanders, right? And Flanders in, in, uh, in Belgium and prevented any German forces from advancing against the British from the other side. Not only that, you know, you have a storm. Now, one of the most, the most powerful war machines of uh, Hitler forces was his Air Force. Hitler has the most powerful by far Air Force in the entire Europe put, put together. And, and you know, 
picture this, right? Flanders was there, there's, where you see the yellow words, Flanders, there was a huge storm, so big, that, that you know, some of the uh, uh, German Air Force pilots was flying, the bomber was flying into, he said, the, they described this, uh, this is a historian record, they described it, the cloud was so thick, you can lean on it. They could not penetrate that. And it gave the British troops and the Allied troops uh, opportunity to retreat to the, to the beach of Dunkirk. Dunkirk is a little town with, with, uh, with a beach, right? So it gives them a little time to retreat into Dunkirk. And there, can you imagine that? The Allied forces in Dunkirk, British English Channel on one side, German Air Force and armies on the other side. And right in the middle of it, there was a fury storm. Have you, have you heard it somewhere else before? Have you, have you read it somewhere else? You have. Some of you are nodding your heads. And under the protection of the storm, the British troops were able to withdraw towards Dunkirk and the German Air Force was prevented from attacking them. So this is what miracle number, number, number two. Miracle number three. Though the storm over Flanders in Belgium was raging, there was a miraculous calm over the English Channel. How about that? That had enabled thousands of British troops evacuated back to England. How? When the news got out, there was a storm in Flanders. The, uh, the German air force, German forces were prevented from uh, approaching the British troops. But there was a calm. And there was such a unity in the entire Britain. Even the small fishing boats like this, they will go out to the English Channel. What were they doing? Okay, do we have the next picture of what were they doing? Right, this is what they were doing. They line up the little boats and make it like a bridge so that the, uh, all the soldiers you know, they, uh, uh, can, can, can just hop on the little boats, the little fishing boat, the steamboat, not the one we, we, we eat, huh? the, the steamboat, you know, the boat is powered by steam, you know? it's not the one that we, we so <laughs> it's much bigger than that, right? The steamboat, they hop on it and go on board on the bigger vessel. It was, it was phenomenal. Historians say it was everything that can float on the water from the British Isles were in English Channel on that, on that, day, on that, on that day. In fact, it was, they were there until about the 4th of June. Winston Churchill estimated this is, this is, this is madness. How are we going to evacuate the entire forces from Dunkirk? They have started an uh, evacuation operation called Operation Dynamo. Operation Dynamo, Winston Churchill estimated they can only save 25,000 to 30,000 troops. But historian believe and actually has, uh, there is, a, con there is a, 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 a concurrence among the historians that, that 330,000 were saved. My dear friends, that was the miracle of Dunkirk. Today, the world is still debating over it. Was it God? Was it only a coincidence? Was it bad military decision? Or was it a miracle? What do you say? What do you say? Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today we pray the Lord that would you enlighten our spirit, awaken us, open our eyes to see, oh God, what you want us to see, Lord. Lord, we pray, oh God, that you will, you will stir up a spirit of faith in us. That as we look at the circumstances around us, circumstances around our nation, circumstances around your church, in our personal life, in our family, that we may see your perspective and see your reality, Lord. Father, we ask, oh God, would you speak to us even this day as we draw near to you, as we come to you, and we have, as we pray, the Lord speak to us 
We want to hear your words. We want to hear your heartbeats for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. My dear friends, they were they were just these are historian records, but they are also the the accounts of the of those who survive. Some of the accounts of those who survive because you know the troops, two hundred thirty-eight thousand of them, in a different point of time, they moved to the beach at Dunkirk, waiting for to be rescued. Now, the German air force is so powerful; they were able to penetrate some of some of them. Were able to penetrate, you know, that that uh, that that cloud, that uh, the thick cloud that was created by the storm, perhaps by circumferencing around it. They, they saw down there on the beach of Dunkirk, hundreds of times, thousands of evacuees. They were just sitting ducks. No shelter, open space. And yet, this is what happened. Although they were under the fire of machine gun and bomb, historian can recorded it, the bomb that they dropped was unfruitful bombs. Now, some of, let me, uh, let me have, yeah, this right. This is, this is the picture of what, how, how it looks like. Soldiers were lying up, waiting to be rescued because they are soldiers, they're very orderly in situation, life, life and death, they still queue up, you know, long queue. <laughs> and one of the, one of the accounts of uh, a soldiers, he said there was about 400 of us on the beach and, and the, uh, and the uh, you know, the Air Force, the German Air Force just flew over us. There's nothing that we could do. We just say, duck. So everybody, bam, lie, lie on the sand. 400 of them at one point. And after the uh, aircraft has, has finished their shooting, da, 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 they, they stood up. None of them were killed. None of them were, were harmed. Another account by one of the, uh, the army chaplain, right? You know, armies, uh, British armies, French army, they have chaplains, right? They are priests, huh? they are priests with a, with a military ranking. Now, one of the army chaplains was saying that he was, he was there and there, there he was. It was right over his head. He couldn't do anything. He just ducked like everyone else. He ducked. After the aircraft has, has passed, he, no pain. He stood up and he saw in the sand uh, the bullet hole has made up the shape of a man. That means he was lying down like that. All the bullets that were shot at him just missed him and made the shape of a man. Was it God? Or is it just bad shooting? In fact, I, I, I would say that that pilot is uh, very good shooter. Isn't it? It's easier to shoot a shape of man uh, from up there. <laughs> Correct not. What do you say? What do you say? In turbulent times, my dear friends, God takes hold of the opportunities to bring about the new and work out His purposes. In that stream in the country, we've been talking about we sense that the Lord is bringing us into the new. But when we want to step into God's new, there's going to be changes. There's going to involve change in us, our mindset, our attitude, our lives. It involves a transformation that begins with us. And of course, it involves the hands and the works of God in bringing about the new. God's ability, God's intention to bring about the new is not deterred, is not restricted by the challenges of the circumstance. Turbulent times may come to a nation. Turbulent times may come to the world. Turbulent times may come to your life too. Your finances, your health, your marriages, these are real things. You know what I'm talking about. But in turbulent times, God is a God of opportunists. He is an opportunist God. He doesn't need turbulent times to work out His purpose. But the enemy, when he come, wants to bring chaos into our lives, He brings order into it. That is who He is. That is our God. That is your God. That is my Jesus. That is your Jesus. And He, he, he does all this to bring up the new. 
we look at the word in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8 to 9. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8 to 9. Let's read together. This shall be the reading of the scriptures for the day. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth to one in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? Or as soon as Zion was in labour, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the wound, says the Lord? And I believe that Isaiah, the words in Isaiah was referring to the birth of the nation of Israel. The people of Israel, when they were in Egypt, they were no nation. They were not a people. They were slaves. But in one day, when they were delivered out of the, uh, the bondages of, the, of, uh, of, of Pharaoh, they came up, they became a nation. Correct? In one day, the Lord say, I bring forth my people from slavery, not only from slavery to freedom, from slave to a people, to, a king, to become a kingdom, to become a nation. It can happen in one day. That is our God. Now, we, we, want to, we want to understand a little bit more about how God operates in, that, in those turbulent times. Let me just give us a picture of how we normally look at, you know, uh, God's, uh, God's activities and, 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 and man's activities. We normally look at God's activities as in the realm of the inexplainable, in the realm of the supernatural, right? And man's activity is everything they can plan, everything they can anticipate, everything they can project, predict, you know, uh, you have, uh, can have a target to reach and you reach it by your effort. That's man's activity. Now, I want to suggest to us that as Christians, this is, this is not the way that we should look at our lives. We cannot compartmental our lives and say that this is spiritual, this is natural. It has nothing to do with one another. If as, Christ, as Christians, we compartmentalize our life, then we'll miss out of the whole lot of blessing, whole lot of the of, of the reality of God in our lives. Let me give you an example. Somebody will come to, to us to pray. Uh, the person is, is uh, you know, is down with uh, 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 some daily sickness like cancer. They pray. And they say, you pray that I'll be healed. That I don't need to go to see a doctor. And we pray, we pray, we pray. We pray in, the tongue, in tongues, we pray all kinds of prayers. And after the person goes to see the doctor, the doctor says, yeah, he has improved, but we still need to do, go to the operation. And after the operation, the person is completely healed. Was it God? Or was it the doctor? Or was it both? The other thing I'm saying, some, some Christians will say, oh, I go and pray. Uh, I could, this is, uh, some will say, anointed, uh, all that, uh, healing, miracle, uh, lay hands and pray. Nothing happened, uh. Seriously, go to see the doctor. God did not heal me, was the conclusion. If we compartmentalize our lives, sometimes we, come, we can come to this kind of disillusional, disillusional living, Christian living. God is not in it. My dear friends, the miracle of Dunkirk, was it God or was it man? Or was it both? Prayer seems to be like men's activities, but prayer begins to attract, usher in God's activity into human realms, human activities. The prayer that we pray, we need to initiate it. We have a prayer meeting, we have a power station on Tuesday in this church. You need to make a decision, you need to exercise your will, you got to plan your time, you need to do all kinds of things to make yourself available so you can pray together with the rest of the church for to usher in God's activities. God, would you intervene into my situation, into our situation? Would you come? Would your kingdom come? Those are men's activities. Nobody can pray on your behalf. Every person who prays decided to pray. And prayer is, uh, is difficult, it's hard work because sometimes you don't feel like praying. So there's no activity of praying. Those are men's activities, but men's activities begin to pull God's activities into our lives. 
If God's activities belong to the realm of the supernatural in the explainable and, the, and, 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 and human activities belongs to the realm of rational and reason and prayer begin to pull that into our, our lives. And God activities continue to be more and more evident in human lives. And as we pray more, we see God begin to open up doors for us. We see God continue to, to work miracles on sometimes not just miracles, a lot of coincidences. So ngam one. Oh, there's a storm in Flanders. What is the odd? Huh? May, it's only the beginning, it's not even the beginning of summer. Uh, you know, summer has storms, right? But it's not even the beginning of summer yet. And the weather is not warm enough, actually, to have a storm. Hey, so ngam one. Hey, so ngam one, the English channel so calm. And lagi ngam, every floating vessel willing to come out. What's the odd? Coincidences. Because God works in the way that we cannot comprehend. Prayer enables us to see God's activities in men's activities. We usher in the supernatural into the natural realm when we pray. We live like that. We live like that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul said, pray without ceasing. What does it mean, pray without ceasing? Knowing the sleep. Isn't it? Do we sleep? We sleep like any number of hours. It means that we have not prayed without ceasing. What does Paul mean? Without ceasing, is it only in continuation of time? Or is it whatever things that we do, we involve God. We are conscious, we are not superstitious, we are not hyper-spiritual. God, I want to have breakfast, you want to have two eggs or one, one eggs? We are not, not hyper-spiritual. But there is a consciousness of that, Lord, I need you to be in my situation. All the time, even as I, if I sleep, there is this conscious decision, there is this decision that I predetermined in my mind. I need God in all areas of my life, in my relationship with people, in my businesses, in my, in my, in my walk with the Lord. In my studies for student, I need, I need God. I need Jesus to be, to be involved with me. I need, I need to know what his, what his heart is for, for, for the situation. It is that attitude. And therefore, Paul say, pray without ceasing. To pray means that we need something, Right? Uh, as I shared, I shared verse before that you know even as uh, uh, you know English English is English lah. Uh, they are they are very the language is very colorful. Sometimes very funny too. And uh, and uh, when you when when uh, when lawyer go to court uh, uh, when I first went to court and I was I was so amused right. I mean, doing my my uh, my my uh, my bar. I was so amused by doing so, uh, you know all that. Uh, so we were, we, were, we were taught how to present our, our, our case. When you present something to the court, when you, when, you, when you present a request to the judge, you know, sometimes the, the judge will say, what, what are your prayers? <laughs> what are your prayers? <laughs> what are your prayers? Why do you ask me what, what are my prayers? You know? <laughs> I mean, what do you ask for? Anything we ask, we petition from the court, is called a prayer. It is serious, huh? True or not? Uh, true, true, true. Okay, I've, it's, it's confirmed by another lawyer, right? So I'm not, I'm not bluffing you. It's true. What is your prayer? Sometimes, in the, you know, when uh, Malaysian judges are very, 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 very chop chop one, they go straight to the point one. 
Mr. Tian, what is your prayer? Wow, today, uh, first day, you know, I mean, first case before this judge is asking me, have I prayed? You know, that kind of thing. Well, what's your prayer? So we pray these things. We ask for these things. We petition for these things. Da, 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 da. At the end of it, after presented, and I said, uh, you know, whichever party that you are representing, he said, or the plaintiff or defendant pray. Oh, they also pray for this. So prayer without ceasing is that you, we ask, we, 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 we need something from God. We need an order from the court. So we pray our petition. We need something from God. Pray without ceasing is an attitude. It's a lifelong attitude. They say, God, I need you to be involved with my activities. Before the nation of Israel, as I say that the nation of Israel was birthed forth when they were delivered from Egypt. Before the nation of Israel was birthed forth from Egypt, they needed to be delivered with the blood of the Lamb. Let us just read uh, from uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 21 to verse 23. Shall we read together? Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And then none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians and when he sees the blood of the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. This is the instruction for, for celebrating or eating the Passover feast. And we know that in the New Testament, Jesus was crucified, was, was, was made a Passover lamb. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Before Israel can step out of Egypt and became a nation, there was something that they need to be cleansed from. They need to be cleansed from all the defilement from Egypt. They need to cleanse from all the defilement of sin and darkness before God. And without the shedding of blood, the Hebrews writer tells us there is no forgiveness of sins. And so it was the shedding of the blood, the Passover lamb. And, and, and God said you should observe this as an, as, an, as an ordinance for generation to come. Never forget that. What is that not to forget? Not to forget that before you step out of slavery, something that needs to happen a Passover lamb needs to be sacrificed. In particular, specifically, the blood needs to be shed. Today, we are, Peter said that we are a holy nation, isn't it? We are a new people. The church is a holy nation because the church has been purchased with the blood of the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus. So we are. We are a people. We are subjects of God's kingdom. We have a king. Jesus is our king. And so we also know that, number two, before Israel can experience God's righteous rule, um, they needed to be free independent from oppressive forces that prevent, prevent them from God's destiny and purpose for them. Prevent them. Ah, sorry, I, I, I missed out the M. Prevent them from God's destiny and purpose for them. You see, the issue of sins has been dealt with. The consequences of sins. When, when, when God strike Egypt, right? The people of Israel were spared because of the blood of the Lamb. But there one that is not done yet. You know, after we become Christians, our life is only at the beginning of a new journey, a beginning of a new life. It is only the beginning of the journey. 
We will find that, I'm sure that you, 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 can, you can recount the time we first became a Christian, we first accept Jesus. Life is fantastic. There is a supernatural joy and so on. But it doesn't mean that everything in our lives and suddenly be put right. Everything got him. We don't, we, don't, we don't see that. It was a journey in which that we progressively walk and more and more to be, more, to be free from the forces, from the pool of the world and from the pool of darkness and sin. And so Israel, there were people already. They were purchased with the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. Just like we are being purchased with the blood of Jesus. They were given gold and silver by the Egyptians, but yet they are not out from Egypt yet. And on the way out, miracles need to happen. They were running towards the Red Sea and they were pursued by Pharaoh's army. They were in a desperate situation. God appeared like a storm, like a, like a, like a pillar of fire. The scripture tells us that God appeared as a storm between the Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh soldiers, uh, 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 Pharaoh troops and the people of Israel just like it was in Flanders. And so they needed to be delivered because these oppressive forces from the enemy, as it were, prevent them from God's destiny and purpose for them. They need to cross the Red Sea. They need to be delivered. So, do we. So do we. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 8 to 9. Sorry. Um, before, God, before Israel can experience God's righteous rule, they needed to be free, independent from oppressive forces, right? And now, Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 8 to 9. Let's read together. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The scripture tells us that recounting an historical event, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. The story was told, I'm sure that some of us have read it before. Uh, 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 and, uh, a professor who does not believe in, uh, uh, in God, atheist, uh, uh, if you would like to put that. And one day, in the first day of his, uh, of his class, wanting to challenge the Christian students in the midst of uh, his class. Is there anyone of the Christians? So this sometimes Christian put up, do you truly believe in those stories that have been told in the Bible? Oh, yeah, 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 we're able to say that. Those are, put up their hands, those are Christians. And the professor said, let's take an example of the, of the deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt. Do you, do you believe that the sea actually, you know, Red Sea actually parted for the people of, for Israel to walk through? They said they believe. So the professor you know, took up all the, uh, the climatological data and all that. And that, in that season of time, uh, when Israel was coming up of Egypt, there's, there's commonly, there's a, you know, there's a very strong east wind, right? East wind, they can blow continuously. And, and there's a stretch of, in Red Sea, uh, 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 which is the shallowest part, right? And... Uh, and uh, it, it's like, it's like it, can be, it can be, right? Uh, scientifically uh, uh, speaking, it can be with all this element in, 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 in place, that shallowest part of the Red Sea can have only six inches of water. Six inches. So he say that, you see, it all can be explained by science. You know, how can you still believe that it is a miracle for Israel to cross the Red Sea? So one of the Christians, well, all the Christians or Sudan were like very, very defeated already. One of them was suddenly saying, sir, sir, I still, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. The professor was so irritated. I said, how can you still say it's a miracle? I proven to you 
the shallowest part of the Red Sea at this, in that season of time, in that season of the year, right, can be only six inches high. He said, because the Pharaoh troops drowned in six inches water. <laughs> Isn't it a miracle? These are soldiers, they're fighting men of, uh, of, 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 of Pharaoh. The scripture tells us that they were drowned. If the Israel passed through a six inches deep water, that means that the soldiers of Pharaoh also drowned in six inches deep water. My dear friends, we always have, us, we have, have some skeptics in the world. But what I'm concerned about that there may be a skeptic in us as well. When things happen around us after we pray, did it happen? Did it happen because we pray? But we didn't ask for it. Huh? Did Israel ask for the Red Sea to be opened? Even Moses was not very sure. Remember what God said to Moses? It was, he, was, he was in a very dull very dull situation, very desperate situation. You know, the army of Pharaoh was chasing after them and they were at the, at the, at the, at the edge of Red Sea, just like at Dunkirk. They were sitting ducks. And yeah, God sent a storm, but how long can we hold? You know, the storm is standing there. We are standing here. He didn't expect a Red Sea open. He didn't even pray for Red Sea open. He was crying out to, to the Lord. Remember what the Lord said to Moses? Stop crying out to me. What is in your hand? Your staff, lift it up. He wasn't, he wasn't sure what, what, to, what, was going, what to expect. He lifted up the staff in his hand, the scripture tells us. Moses lifted up his, his staff in hand, right? And he saw Red Sea open. Aha, uh -huh, that's what's going to happen. And the Lord tells his people today, you are faced with a desperate situation in your personal life. You don't even know to ask for Pray. He said, pray, ask for what? Lift up your prayers and see me work. Beyond your wildest imagination. Beyond your wildest imagination. Because if I tell you to expect this, you will probably say, how can it be? And most, what God was tell Moses, Moses, you lift up your staff, the Red Sea will open. Wait, 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 God, you know. I throw this stuff onto the ground, it became a snake. I believe it. I raise up this stuff, you know, to, 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 towards the river now, it became red. I believe it. But the Red Sea opened. No precedence there. He gone kick, quickly take out his uh, Moses, uh, if he's like, you know, in our, in our, in our present day uh, Christians, take out his iPad, Google search. Has Red Sea ever been opened? Nowhere. God, see, nowhere. No precedence. No way it was recorded any, anywhere. But God said, lift up your stuff. Today, God is asking you and I, lift up your prayers. He said, pray for what? Lift up your prayers. Worship me. Praise me. Pray without ceasing and see me work in your life. Let me just go on. Time is catching up. A nation is born with the giving of the laws, right? No laws, no nation. The constitution uh, and, and the giving of the constitution, right? Israel was birthed as a nation when the Ten Commandments was given through Moses. Right after, if you read, the book of Exodus, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Leviticus, a lot of boring, boring laws. I want to suggest to us that those laws are so important. How many nations existed in the world today without constitution? One? There's none. Every nation exists because there is a foundation of the constitution. There is a set of laws governing the behaviors, putting orders into relationships, interpersonal relationship, whatever relationship, the government, uh, 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 to government to, to ensure justice, to ensure fairness, and all the rest of it. The giving of laws is so important, they are not boring. 
it spells out the identity of Israel. The giving of laws, the word of God to us Christians today, they are not boring because it is that that defines our boundary and our authority. If I were to go out, you know, and, uh, and, and I meet a policeman, I said, hey, your uniform is very nice. But I think uh, you have no authority over me. Then I begin to hurl insult on the, uh, uh, on, on the policeman. You know somebody here in KK? Show a finger to the policeman and got fined. Just show the finger. In a very, you know, dishonoring way, contemptuous way. He was fine. Not, not fine, uh, fined. <laughs> he wasn't fine. He was fined. <laughs> <laughs> and you say, how can it be? Why? Because there is a law that gives authority to the policeman. That there are things that you cannot, you, can, you and I cannot do to the police. Even though they have, you know, this is, this is what gives us authority, man. Christians, we want the authority in the name of Jesus, but do you accept the law of God? If you do not accept the law of God, there is no basis, foundation of authority. Jesus said, do not think that I come to abolish the laws, but I come to fulfill all of them. Jesus even said he comes to fulfill all of them. doesn't mean that we need to do all the laws. What I'm trying to say is that it is a foundation when we pray for certain things, God, we execute this against the enemy. But where is the, the foundation of our authority? It is in the word of God. In the, in the word of God. That is our foundation of our authority. Let me just go on reading. In uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 3 to 6. Is it right? Okay. Let's read together. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You, shall, you have seen what I did to the Egyptian, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my command and covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you should, which you should speak to the children of Israel. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if we will indeed obey God's voice, as I often say, it is God's voice that we need to hear, we need to obey. And not just merely His written words, but His voice. And keep my covenant. Keep the all all that we, we have, that, that, that established, that defines our relationship, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The same imagery was used by Peter in Second Peter. That today, you and I, how do we come under the, 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 be, be become the, enjoy the benefit of a kingdom of a nation established by God. Hear his voice. Obey his voice. Keep his commandment. Not only that, he says that you shall be a special treasure to me. God will be said that you are my precious one. You are a treasure to me. A nation prosper. Let me just sum it up. A nation prosper when there is fear of God. As it is with a nation, so it is in our personal life. A person prosper when there is fear of God. The fear of God is not afraid of God. Somebody put it in this way, the fear of God simply means that to love what God loves, to hate what God hates, and to live like that. Express it in that way. A nation prosper regardless whether it is a Christian nation or not. But when, when, when a nation begins to walk in godly principles, how do we pray for Malaysia? We don't need to wait for Malaysia to have a Christian prime minister. We pray that this nation will walk in the fear of the Lord. Honouring, upholding righteous principles. 
a person prosper. Likewise, when there is fear of God. And I pray that all of us may live in that. Number two, miracles happen when God's activities enter into men's activities. To sum it up, isn't it? Miracles happen when God's working, the working of His Holy Spirit, His activities, His hand, His activities, enters into our activities. As I mentioned just now, a person who goes for doctor for, for, for treatment receives a miracle. And the person is healed. Because we, through prayers, we usher in God's activities. Number three, miracles happen when we pray according to God's purpose and revelation. For His purpose will always prevail as we have talked about it in the past couple of weeks. We listened, we, 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 listened, we just now heard the, uh, the miracles of Dunkirk. The National Day of Prayer was called by King George VI as a monarch of, uh, of, of Great Britain and they came together. You know, throughout the four years of Second World War, that was not the only National Day of Prayer. Altogether in the four years, King George VI called seven National Days of Prayer. Even one right before D-Day. Pray without ceasing. It's not just a one-time thing. Britain was faced with tremendous pressure. And I believe that there is a purpose, there is a call of God on that nation that, that, that warrants such a miraculous deliverance of that nation. They were preserved for God's purposes. If we know that our life here, God has a purpose in our life. When we pray, we say that God was to use if I perish. Your purpose in me will not be fulfilled. If we pray, knowing fully well that God has a purpose for Malaysia, God has a purpose for your life, for your children, for our church, for the church of Jesus Christ, for the Anglican church, God has a purpose. Then we know that when we pray, God will hear in the one. Number two, it gives us all the reason to persevere in prayer. And we hold on to God. God, your purpose must be fulfilled in my life, man. If I perish, what's the point? So, I want to encourage us. When we see that things are not happening around us, do not be despair. Do not be discouraged. Hear from the Lord. And what is the purpose? Do you see there's a purpose for your nation? Today I know that I'm not speaking only to Malaysian, but do you see God has a purpose for the church in your nation? If you see that, you, say, you agree that yes, but it's not happening. Wow, congratulations. You have found a reason to pray without ceasing. When he had, if, it's not, has, if God's purpose has not happened yet, it is not the end. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we come to you. We, we ask that, Lord, would you stir up our faith? Would you bring us encouragement? I know that some of us here that you are, you are faced with particular things that you are, you are struggling with. There are situations in your life, there are circumstances around us, it is not happening as it should be. And we say to God, God, what's the point? There is sometimes the thoughts that you harbor, or perhaps this is where you are right now. Then I believe the Lord is saying to you, be encouraged. 
my purpose will prevail. What I say, I will establish. Father, we ask, the Lord, would you, would you even speak to us right now? Stir up our, our, our zeal, stir up our passion to live a life of praying without ceasing. Because every time we pray, every time we pray, we activate, we activate your, the works of your hands. Father, it's not that you are so passively waiting for us to move your hands because you have given men given mankind the authority, the privilege to have dominion over the earth realm. Lord, as somebody has said it, without, without you, we cannot. Without us, you will not. Without you, we cannot survive. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot overcome but without us co-laboring with you, praying, leaning on you, you will not intervene. That's who you are. That's who we are.